0: You're listening to episode 14 of the Eat Well and Live Full podcast. Hello, hello, my beautiful people. Welcome back to another episode. Today's podcast is going to be more of just a chat, and we're going to be talking about a topic that I'm pretty obsessed with and have been for quite a while. And if you've listened to other episodes of the podcast You may have heard me drop in little statements about this. And if you follow me on Instagram, then you have for sure seen me repost and share um, really funny takeaways when it comes to the topic of what we're going to talk about today. And if you're not following me on Instagram, why the heck not? Go over right now and follow me at Wild Sparrow Wellness. I love to do Instagram stories. I love to connect with people through the Instagram platform and you will see that I have done a lot of just chats and things over stories, and some of those are saved, so you can go back and watch them if you haven't been following me, but I digress. So what I'm trying to say is that today's topic feels like a long time coming because I am obsessed with this topic. I think that there is so much value and using something that is going to teach you a lot more about yourself and about other people that you have relationships with in your life. And so, without further ado, today we're going to be talking all about the Enneagram, why I'm obsessed with the Enneagram, and how you can actually use the information that the Enneagram will give you to further your personal health journey. So whatever that might be for you right now or in the future. Okay, so today's podcast is going to be way more relaxed. I don't have a script going off the cuff and just talking about the Enneagram test or the Enneagram personality system. So if you are already into the Enneagram, then you're probably going to want to listen because you're obsessed with it like I am. And if you have no idea what the heck I'm even talking about when I say Enneagram, let's just first break down what the heck the Enneagram system is. So the Enneagram, E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M, is a personality typing system that consists of nine different types. And everyone is considered to be one single type, although we can have traits that belong to the other types as well, which we can talk about. And if you speak with Enneagram experts, they're not sure if it has to do with, you know, that this is genetically determined, or if it has to do with, where we are in the environment that we're brought into when you know at birth or what but the premise is that it is a personality type system and there are nine different types and ennia means nine apparently thank you google for that one and so these are universally identified by the numbers one two nine and these numbers have a standard way of being placed around this Enneagram symbol, which is kind of like a circle with, um, stars and diagonal lines that kind of connect, um, connect the different types one to nine. So if you Google Enneagram, you'll see that symbol. And again, that's just showing that the types are connected in different ways as well. So the Enneagram system places each person into one of these types. And people of a particular type have several characteristics in common, but they can be quite different even though they're the same type. So someone explained it to me or used this analogy, which I think is great, that if you go to, you know, Rona, Home Depot, Lowe's, and you want to pick out a paint color and you go look at the color blue, right, think of how many different shades of blue in paint colors that there are but at the end of the day they're all still blue so that's kind of how I view it as well that you could belong to this one type but there's so many different things that make you you within this type especially when we start to talk about wings which I will explain in just a second but I think it's also important to mention that the Enneagram why I like it is because it's showing you that even though that you're, you know, a type one, for example, and you're supposed to kind of fit into this box or category of having the traits of a one, the Enneagram shows you what an unhealthy type would look like versus a healthy type. And it's not just about your health as in, you know, do you work out? Do you eat well? It has to do with your mental health and has to do with how you actually act. So are you are you really unhealthy in your relationships, in your relationship with yourself, with your mental with your mental health, with your self-talk, with the way that you operate in the world? Or have you decided to kind of up level and really live healthier lifestyle in that healthier mindset and bring out the really positive traits of your type. So I hope that makes sense that even though we could identify as the exact same type as one another, there's so many different arrays within those types, right? Like the paint chip analogy. But even within that, there's this sliding scale of really unhealthy versus really healthy um, um, types or people within those types. I hope that did not confuse you even more. (laughs) okay so let's talk about one more thing before we get into what the nine types are and that is wings and so a lot of times when I have people do this Enneagram test and guys this is like this is not a part of my business I just absolutely am obsessed with it and think that it's super fun so I have basically every family member friend do this as often as this conversation comes up and so a lot of times people will get um when they do a test online they'll get uh, a type, but they'll get like a really close second. So like, for example, again, just for ease, let's say they come up with that they're pretty much a number one, but a two is a really close second. So what that means is that you usually have one characteristic or the characteristics of one type. And then the types that lie adjacent to that type could be called could be showing as wings so let's just make it an actual example here so if you're a type 5 right and you're showing characteristics of a type 5 you might also show the characteristics of a 4 or a type 6 because those are adjacent to the 5 and so we could say that you are a type 5 with a 4 wing or a 6 wing So a lot of times when you do the tests online, you might get 5W4 or 5W6. So if one doesn't have a dominant wing, then it's said that the wings are balanced. So you could be a type 5 with a lot of traits of a 4 and a 6 as well. So I think that also makes it way more individual because then there's not only all the differences between just the type 1s, but now there's a big difference between a type 1 with a wing 2 or a type 1 with a wing 9. So I'm going to put the um, link to a free Enneagram test in the description. Again, it's so de- debated whether these tests are really good. I Some of them are horrible, some of them are pretty decent. I think the point is to take a couple of these tests and then start to you know, learn a little bit more about what the types are, so that you can really start to figure out what your type is. Um, some people it'll be super obvious, and you, when you take a test online, it'll be like, oh, yep, mostly this type. And some people it's like a toss-up, and that's because there's a lot of mistyping. So again, if you're on that sliding scale of where you're either you know unhealthy to healthy or anything in between depending on what those characteristics are for your type, you could be mistyped as a totally other Enneagram number. So for example, let's just say you are a type one again. If you were out of alignment or out of balance in some way, you could be mistyping as a seven, you could be mistyping as a four. So I think it's important that like, don't take the Enneagram test and have that be the end all to be all and that's locked in that this is what your personality is supposed to be like. No, just use it as a tool. And then if it's confusing, there is also I'll put in another link to um, the site that I like that really spells out the mistyping. So how you might be mistyping as a totally different type. So if you're having any confusion with that, just reach out on Instagram. If you want to learn more about that, I can send you personalized links for that. But yeah, so you might want to just pause right here and go take the Enneagram test. Or if you're driving or listening at work or something, you can always just take the test later. Or as I go through the types, you might start to realize, hey, that sounds very much like me. Okay, so before I get into the nine types, let's just summarize for more clarity. The Enneagram is a personality system. It divides everyone into nine different types. So, l- numbers, not letters, numbers one through nine. And each of those is a different type. But within that type, you can be from unhealthy to healthily operating, or you could have a wing. So, you might be sho- um, showing some of the personality traits of an adjacent type. So, again, for example, if you are type 5 on the enneagrams. So you're mostly showing type 5 traits. You could also have traits of a type 4 or a type 6 or even both if you're balanced. And then with that being said, let's go into what the nine different types are. Each type is given kind of like a, a name of what represents their type some characteristics that really represent that type and it also tells you what each type's basic fear and basic desire is which I think is so cool because I think as we go through these you'll probably start to identify with some of these and that's where the self-realization the self-growth happens when you start to tap into like this deeper layer of what is motivating you So what is a fear that you have or what is a desire that you have? And I know for me personally, (laughs) when we get to my type, it's like so obvious to me that this is definitely my fear and this is definitely my desire and it has driven me in my life or pushed me away from things in my life as well. So. Without further ado, I've rambled on enough, hopefully you understand the basic concept of what the Enneagram is, and let's talk about the nine different types. Starting with type seven, no, I'm just totally kidding, I could never do that to you guys, starting with type one. So ones are called the reformer, so they are rational and idealistic. They are principled. Purposeful, Self-Controlled, and Perfectionists. Ones are very ethical and they have this really strong sense of what's right and what's wrong. And so they tend to be teachers or advocates or people who are trying to strive to improve things in the world. And they're really afraid of making mistakes. So they're very well organized, they're orderly. And they try to maintain really high standards. But this also means that they can end up being really critical and of not just themselves, but others. And they tend to be perfectionists. They can have problems with resentment and being impatient because of this, right? So they really, really just want to see everything being right and trying to go out and improve things in the world. So at their best... So when they're operating as a healthy type one, they are very wise and discerning and realistic and noble, and they can even be morally heroic. Their basic fear is of being corrupt or evil or defective. And their basic desire is to be good and have integrity and to be balanced moral decision makers. So with the wings, that with a one that has a wing nine, they're known as the idealist, and a one with a two wing is known as the advocate. So key motivations of a person with a type one personality, they want to be right, they want to strive for higher, and they want to improve everything. They're really consistent with their ideals and their morals, and they feel like they always have to justify what they're doing because they're really all about things that are right and wrong and they really want to make sure that they're acting in with good intentions and integrity at all times. I just pulled up google here to see some famous ones so some famous ones uh, include Joan of Arc, Pope John Paul II, Nelson Mandela, Margaret Thatcher, Prince Charles and Kate Middleton, Jimmy Carter, Michelle Obama, Hillary Clinton, Rudy Giuliani, and the list goes on and on. Ones are the type of people who literally will sacrifice themselves for the good of others. They really are the ones that want to take action and be really useful in the sense of creating a better world or a better system. So, in history, ones are usually the ones, <laughs> the ones, who um, have left their comfortable lives to do something extraordinary or to do something really tough and make a difference because they felt that it was a higher calling that made them do this. So, if we look at people who have, you know, become heroes in in wars or who have like Gandhi, like completely changed a nation or, or Nelson Mandela, right? Those are ones who have taken really practical action and they want to be useful in the best sense of the word, meaning that they are consciously having this mission that's driving them to help everyone around them fulfill becoming better people, becoming and um, creating a better environment. Ones often have a really strong sense of purpose, but they end up being really strict with themselves. That's where that perfectionist mentality comes in. And they also feel that they have to justify themselves in their own eyes and in the eyes of people around them to kind of prove that what they're doing is good and is um, trustworthy and is the best course of action to take. So ones, when they are their best selves, they are extraordinarily wise and discerning. They are very realistic. They they almost know what the best action to take is in each moment. And it can be really inspiring and hopeful. And their mantra is the truth will be heard. At average levels, so people operating or ones operating kind of just at an average level, they're kind of dissatisfied with their reality, and they become high-minded idealists. So they kind of feel that it's up to them to improve everything, and so they can become advocates, but they can also become critics. And this kind of changes things into that they have to explain to everyone how things ought to be done. And then at really unhealthy levels, this is when they become really um, kind of cruel towards themselves and other people for doing things the wrong way. And it can really create a lot of anxiety and, and depression because they feel like they're being so hypocritical of them all the time because they're not perfect enough and yet they're pointing out imperfections in everyone else. If you have a boss who is a type 1, they might say, here, let me show you a better way to do that. During hurricane prep, you can find a 1 working hard to fund the relief efforts. If you're a type 1, something that confuses other people is that you're expecting others to do things the way that you would do them. And two sayings from 1s in my life... (laughs) Rinse off your feet before you go into the house, after you were at the beach. Or, my personal favorite, knives go in the dishwasher like this. Type 1s, we need you as our moral compass. We need you to help lift us up and motivate us to be better moral decision makers as well. Type 2s. Type 2s are the helper. They are caring and interpersonal. They are generous demonstrative, people-pleasing, and sometimes possessive. I have a lot of twos in my life, so I am very aware of their traits. <laughs> their basic fear is of being unwanted or unworthy of being loved, and their basic desire is to feel loved. A type two with a wing one is called the servant, and a type two with a wing three is called the host or the hostess. Their key motivations are, like I said, they want to be loved, they want to express their feelings for others, they love to be needed and appreciated, they love to get others to respond to them, and some famous type twos, again, according to this quick Google search, are Kenny G, Paula Abdul, Who else? Grizzly Man, Elizabeth Taylor, Eleanor Roosevelt, Nancy Reagan, Monica Lewinsky, Martin Sheen, Danny Glover, and Stevie Wonder. Type 2s are called the helper because this type, they're either the most genuinely helpful to other people, or when they're less healthy, they are the most highly invested in seeing themselves as helpful. So they're very generous and they're very gift-giving and generous with their time. They feel that they're their richest, most meaningful in their lives when they are loved and when they are giving to others. A lot of times this is great because they genuinely do good and caring things for other people, but sometimes when they're not as healthy, it becomes unbalanced and they become kind of more like they're trying to prove their love, that they're loved and that they are wanted by doing things for other people. When a two is really healthy and in tune with themselves, people are really drawn to them because they're super loving and helpful and generous and considerate and they actually really help draw attention to others and other positive qualities in the people around them. And so they really are the embodiment of the good parent that everyone wishes that they had, someone who sees them exactly as they are, understands them with compassion, helps and encourages them, tries to be, help them be more patient with themselves, always willing to lend a hand. However, there's the opposite of that because... There's a lot of inner work that needs to be done based on this. Otherwise, they have kind of this shadow side to them, which is the pride and the self-deception and the tendency to become over-involved in other people's lives, the tendency to manipulate others to get their own emotional needs met. And the tendency to become really possessive and having to be involved in everything for the fear that if they are not, then they are not needed and therefore they're not loved. So like I said, twos at their healthiest are really unselfish. They're humble. They're altruistic. They give unconditional love to other people all around them and help lift them up. And they feel like it's a privilege to be in the lives of others that they care about. They're warm-hearted, they're giving a sincere, and they're really encouraging. At an average operating level, they want to be closer to others, so they start people-pleasing. And they're overly friendly or emotionally um, demonstrative, and they're full of really good intentions, but they're more approval-seeking, and they kind of toss around flattery. Just so that they can feel loved and involved, and at an unhealthy level, like I said, they become really manipulative and self-serving, and they kind of use that guilt trip method. So because they feel guilty, they kind of make others feel guilty for them not being needed, or sometimes they can even play the sympathy card, um, and really they're able to excuse and rationalize what they do because they almost feel victimized by others and they can get really resentful and angry over this if they're feeling like they're unloved or unworthy of love when it comes to health and wellness i think it's important to point out type 2s are the most likely to abuse food and even like medications and binge eating and Eat, the ones who will run to chocolate or carbohydrates and have that like they're feeling love starved so they use food instead and hypochondriacs they tend to be hypochondriacs for the sympathy factor and I think this is funny because some of the twos in my life I would call sometimes a hypochondriac and if they're listening to this I say that with all of the love in my heart if you have a boss who is a type 2 you might hear them say, please don't hesitate to come see me if you need anything at all to get started. And like I said before, they are also known as the host or the hostess if they have a wing three. So they're usually the ones when you come over to their house that, here, I just made this. Do you need another drink? I will give you the shirt off my back. Here, I'll make whip up new muffins. Here, you don't like that coffee, let me remake it. They are very like over the top in always being there to to give, not just love, but you know, material things as well. At the beach, a type two might be the person saying, here, use my sunscreen, here, borrow my towel. I brought lots of snacks for everyone, no need to pay me back. During hurricane prep, they're the one out there checking on all their neighbors, making sure they're okay. And type two is what you do that confuse other people, expecting others to anticipate your needs without them being expressed fully. Just because you know what our needs are doesn't mean that we can read your mind. Type three, the achiever. Type threes are success-oriented and pragmatic, adaptable, excelling, driven, and image-conscious. The basic fear of a type three is of being worthless, and their basic desire is to feel valuable and worthwhile. Type threes with a wing two are are known as the charmer, and type threes with a wing four are known as the professionals. Their key motivations are to be affirmed, to distinguish themselves from others, to have attention, to be admired, to impress others, and for their life to have immense value. At their best, they're self-accepting, authentic, and everything they seem to be. They can be very good role models for others. Type threes are the ones who have the really big dreams and hopes and desires. They're not afraid to dream big, and they embody the best of society and the best of culture when they are at their best. They're often successful and well-liked because they believe in themselves the most and in developing their own personal talents and capabilities, and so that can really, you can see that portrayed as a role model or a coach or even a teacher um, or you know a, a head of a family a lot of times because type threes value success and they want to see everything that they're doing as as success and their success equals their worthiness This can become really tricky because if success is defined by other people, like their family and their culture, their social sphere, uh, things in their external environment, um, success can turn into things like having money or having a certain level of status or being valued for everything that they're good at versus what could really be truly successful or what success means to them deep down inside. Because threes are the achiever, you can often see this even in little kids who who receive a lot of praise for something that they're good at. And then all of a sudden, they put a lot of their energy into that activity because they know that they're good at it and therefore successful. And that equals happiness. Threes are The type of people that you want to go to when you need a pump up, when you need to dream big, when you need to make some decisions on how to move forward, because they are people of achievement and action taking. And so they're not afraid to give you a little bit of tough love and be your coach and be your cheerleader at the exact same time. So threes at their highest level are self-accepting. They're very direct and authentic and everything that they seem to be they're modest they're charitable they're self-assured and energetic and they're very competent and they have very high self-esteem and they also pass that on to the people around them so they can come off as very adaptable and charming and gracious Average level threes are highly concerned with their performance, so doing their job well. And especially if they have a type two wing, really um, people pleasing in the sense of that they're terrified to fail. And so their status and their success becomes based on people around them and their social status, and their career, and they become social climbers, and they're just invested in being the best, even though sometimes they don't even know what the best truly means. And at their very worst, threes have a huge fear of failure and humiliation. They become very opportunistic because they are willing to do whatever it takes to preserve this illusion that they have everything together and they become really deceptive and devious because they're not authentic and they can really, um, they're doing themselves such a disservice, but it's more important to them when they're unhealthy to preserve this idea of being successful idea of that they have their together, but they don't. And they become very vindictive and they almost like at their very very worst are obsessed with destroying others around them and putting them down a bit just so that they can feel good about themselves some famous type threes would be caesar bill clinton tony blair prince william arnold schwarzenegger muhammad ali andy warhol lance armstrong Elvis Presley, Madonna, Sting, Whitney Houston, Will Smith, Demi Moore, Kevin Spacey, Reese Witherspoon, as you can see, a lot of people who are famous are type threes because of that success factor. Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, Cindy Crawford, Tom Cruise, even if you watched um, Mad Men, Don Draper is a true type three. Very concerned with his appearance and this life that he's created. If you have a boss or someone that you're following on Instagram um, who says this, they are total type three, you have to start your morning the way you want your day to go. Have you read the four hour work week? Type threes because they are the achiever and they're really driven to go after success. There's a lot of type threes that are entrepreneurs, that are business owners, that have, you know, the ones who go back to school over and over and over again to get the next title or the next certification. And they can tend to be workaholics. So for their hurricane prep, they're using the time inside to work towards a new career goal. And what confuses other people when you're a type three, when you're doing this, it's you're expecting others to chase their dreams with the same ferociousness that you chase yours. And when I think of this, I think of my gal pal, Rachel Hollis, who is true and true a type three, all about setting goals. If a type three is going to go out for the day, or in this case, go to the beach, I'm just going to do a teeny weeny bit of work before everyone wakes up in the morning. And, or this is how I eat clean while on vacation. This is Something that you will know if you follow me on Instagram or you've listened to previous episodes of the podcast, but I am 150% a type three. I'm actually a type three with a wing two, which means I'm very driven, very motivated. I think big, I go after goals and I'm very success driven. But I also have major people-pleasing tendencies, which means that when I'm unhealthy, I'm very motivated by pleasing other people, and then that's how I define my success. So I share this because I would not have really put the two and two together as much as I have in the past couple of years if it weren't for really digging into the Enneagram and what that means for me in my business and in my personal life. But enough about me, let's move on to type four, the individualist. So they are sensitive and introspective. They're expressive, dramatic, but sometimes temperamental and self-absorbed. Their basic fear is that they have no identity or no personal significance. And therefore, their basic desire is to truly find themselves and what their significance is. So to create an identity for themselves. A four with a wing three is the aristocrat and a four with a wing five is the bohemian. Their key motivators are that they want to express themselves and their individuality to create and surround themselves with beauty to maintain certain moods and feelings that make them feel good and to withdraw to protect their self-image or to care for their emotional needs before attending to anything else. If they're not as healthy and self-assured, they tend to attract people in their lives who will rescue them out of situations. Stevie Nicks, Annie Lennox, Prince, Sarah McLaughlin, Alanis Morissette, Florence and the Machine, Amy Winehouse, Jeremy Irons, Angelina Jolie, Winona Ryder, Kate Winslet, Nicholas Cage, Johnny Depp, and the tattoo artist Kat Von D are our, oh man guys, and Chris Angel. Sorry, I had to put that one in there. These are all famous type fours. Type fours are really honest with themselves and their feelings, and they can look at their motives, their contradictions, and even emotional conflicts without denying or whitewashing over them like some of the other types might do. So they can be really in tune with how they feel. Type fours are great to have around because they truly are not afraid to see themselves for exactly who they are and how they feel. And they're willing to reveal highly personal and even potentially shameful things about themselves because they're determined to understand the truth in each experience. I feel like type fours would make really great counselors because they're really good at processing painful experiences or emotional experiences that might kind of overwhelm other types or that other types might just push under the rug and so they'd be a great friend to talk to when you're really struggling with something that you just don't really want to talk about but you probably should but with that being said type fours can really feel like they're missing something in themselves and they have a difficult time figuring out what their true identity is And sometimes they don't know what it is. Is it willpower? Is it self confidence? Sometimes they just can't put their finger on it. Because fours are so concerned with identity, you'll see that they are the type of people who try on different identities and different styles and preferences and qualities that they find attractive in other people around them. And they can become kind of like a kaleidoscope of different personality traits and things. So I feel like they would also be often mistyped if they're not a truly healthy four. At their highest level, they're very self-aware, self-aware, introspective. They're always on that search for the deeper, deeper awareness of their feelings and their inner impulses. They're very expressive and they're really good at transforming their experiences into something really valuable, or sometimes even creative. Average operating fours are sometimes seen as the artistic or romantic ideals. They like to create things that are beautiful or aesthetically pleasing to create these heightened realities or basically put on a performance of fantasy and feelings and imagination but they can become really withdrawn to protect this beautiful image that they're trying to create and, to, and also just to buy time to sort out their feelings. They may also struggle with feeling really different than others. And they might see that as a bad thing if they're not really in tune or if they're not operating as a healthy type 4. And at really unhealthy levels... They become really self-inhibiting and angry at themselves, depressed, and they alienate themselves from others and start blocking their emotions. And they get almost like analysis paralysis, but like emotional paralysis because they start to feel ashamed and they're almost become tormented by all these feelings that they're having that they're not sure how to work through. And that can start to alienate them from others. If you have a type four boss, they will probably say something like, today we're going to hold a feeling circle so we can all just get it all out there in the open. Okay, I'll start. At the beach, a type four goes to the most secluded area and stares off into the ocean. And then three hours goes by and they're still saying, this is magnificent. Hurricane prep type fours. They enjoy watching the pre-storm weather and just take it in. And if you're a type four, what you do that confuses others is expecting others to share in the perfect romantic experience that they may not even know that it's supposed to be romantic at all. Type five, the investigator. They're intense and very cerebral. They're perceptive and innovative or secretive and isolated. Their basic fear is being useless, helpless, or incapable, and their desire is the opposite, to be competent, to be capable, to become an expert. Type fives with a wing four are the iconoclast, and the type five with a wing six is the problem solver. Their key motivations are to possess knowledge, to understand things very in-depthly, to have everything figured out so that they can always defend themselves from any threats in the environment or in their career and always be the go-to expert. So you can probably guess who some famous type fives are. Albert Einstein, Emily Dickinson, Mark Zuckerberg, Jane Goodall, um, Eckhart Tolle, Stephen Hawking, and than go. Type 5s are called the investigator because they really want to figure things out and how things work and they will tend to question and investigate everything. So I feel like there's a lot of scientists out there who are type 5s and the thing is that when they are really self-assured Um, And they have spent all this time investigating and becoming the expert and they're operating as a healthy type five, that they're really secure and they have high self-esteem because they know that they have this degree of expertise that allows them to connect with the world in a totally different way than other people. And they tend to think like, I'm going to find something that I can become really, really good at and I'll be able to meet every challenge that's set before me because I know exactly how to deal with that. And if I don't, then I'm going to do more research or learn more things to really make sure I'm the expert in that. Because of this, if you have a type five in your life, they're probably going to spend a lot of time contemplating and observing and listening and taking notes and kind of thinking things through and learning more and questioning and going back over things, which if they're not operating at a very healthy level, could probably lead them to almost procrastinate on something because they don't know all the answers or they don't have the whole entire puzzle figured out. Much of their time is spent collecting evidence and collecting information and developing thoughts and ideas and skills that they think is gonna prepare them for something. But the problem is if they're operating at an unhealthy level, they spend so much time preparing for something that they kind of lose what they're even preparing for in the end. At their best, type fives are visionaries and they are so profound at figuring things out. They're so open-minded, they look at things as a whole in their true context. And they're the ones who make these amazing discoveries and open up totally different doors for the rest of us. At an average level, they really have to fine-tune everything before acting. So like I was saying, they have to really work things out in their mind and prepare and practice and gather more resource resources and study and acquire a new technique and then become specialized in something and become the intellectual expert and before they'll actually make an action step. And they can even become really cynical and argumentative because of all this time spent. Researching and trying to find the answer to an answer within an answer. And at the very unhealthy level, they become really isolated from reality and eccentric and really unstable and fearful because they keep rejecting different ideas and different social attachments because they're kind of frightened by what happens if they don't find the, the answer or if they don't know everything and they become. It's almost like a disordered reality where they kind of feel crippled to make any kind of choice or decision and they get these weird phobias of things. So I'm kind of thinking of like Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory here. If you have a boss who's a type five, they're going to say, where's your research on that? Hurricane prep type fives are the ones watching the radar and collecting food and doing the really like practical <laughs> research part. What confuses others? Type fives, something that you do, you're expecting others to not miss you when you're gone. At the beach, you're the one who's collecting seashells and leaves and noticing the bird prints and identifying the animals and collecting research. Type six is the loyalist. They're committed and security oriented. They're engaging, they're responsible, or they can be anxious and suspicious. So they are motivated by wanting to have security and feeling supported by others. They want to be reassured and they want to always fight against any feelings of anxiety or insecurity. So their basic fear is of being without support or without guidance. And their basic desire is to have that security blanket and that support. So a type 6 with a wing 5 is the defender, and a type 6 with the wing 7 is the buddy. Some famous type 6s include J.R.R. Tolkien, Mike Tyson, Bruce Springsteen, U2's Bono, Eminem, oh yeah, Tom Hanks, Larry David, Chris Rock, and George H.W. Bush. Type 6s are very loyal. They're loyal to others because they don't want to be abandoned or left without because that's their basic fear. So they can sometimes have this failure in their self-confidence if they are not a healthy type 6 because they feel like they always need someone else there to help guide or help support them. Type sixes also tend to have the most trouble contacting their own inner guidance. So they don't have the confidence in in their own judgment skills a lot of the times. So they, again, rely on others. And this doesn't mean that they are not thinking. That's actually the complete opposite. They're the ones who tend to worry and overanalyze a lot. And they also tend to fear making important decisions If they're not feeling confident in themselves, they really do want to avoid being controlled by others though, but they're also afraid of taking responsibility in a way that might put them in the line of fire. So it's a really delicate balance for them. If a type six built up their environment so that they're really supported and that they feel like they can make these decisions, then they are really good at You know moving forward with a degree of confidence but if the opposite happens or if that external environment of support begins to really crumble they can become really anxious and self-doubting and they feel like they're just on their own and they're not sure what to do if somebody else isn't there supporting them with that being said because support and a support system is so important to them Sixes are the most loyal friends and family and partners and because they will go down with the ship. They are going to hang on to those relationships and be there for you. They're also really loyal to ideas and systems and beliefs. So they're really good as a coworker or someone working for you because they're truly going to believe in the bigger, the bigger picture or, you know, in, in the ship, so to speak they will tend to defend their community or their family way quicker than they would defend themselves. So type six is operating at their best. They become really self-affirming and trusting of themselves and others. They're independent, yet they are really interdependent and cooperative, but as an equal, not as the fact that they're needing someone else to constantly support them. And they're really, really good at positive thinking and even taking on a leadership role and being supportive for those around them. And they can be very endearing and lovable and even affectionate if they're operating at their best self. And a type six operating at an average level Is they start investing their time and their energy into what they believe is going to be safe and stable for them. So I'm thinking like corporate America job where you know it's their day is very structured and organized and they feel very strong and secure even though that might not be something that they truly enjoy doing as a career. And because they feel like they have a lot of insecurities they can can sometimes become really sarcastic or start blaming others for their problems, or they start taking a stance towards becoming like an outsider. And at operating at very unhealthy levels, sixes feel like they have this fear that they're going to ruin everything, and they can become very panicky, and start to really internalize their feelings as like they're going to mess up a good thing. And so they really try to um, get others to help them get out of situations so they might like lash out or act irrational because they're operating by fear and at the same time there's they really want to just be supported and make sure that they kind of have like a life vest there to bail them out at any time. If your boss is a type six, they are the ones who are going to like the worst case scenario. So have you thought about what would happen if, Dot, dot, dot. At the beach, they're the ones who brought SPF 100, just in case you needed it. During hurricane prep, they're the ones who are following the exact 10-step plan they wrote out three years ago to make sure that they are totally safe. And type 6 is what you do that confuses the rest of us, is expecting others to live up to your expectations of what it means to be a good authority figure or a supportive friend. We are in the home stretch here, my friends. Type seven, the enthusiast. They are busy and variety seeking. They're spontaneous and versatile, but they can also come off as scattered. Their basic fear is of being deprived or in pain, and their basic desire is to be satisfied and content and have all of their needs fulfilled. A type seven with a wing six is the entertainer, and a type seven with a wing eight is the realist. Their key motivations are that they want to maintain their freedom and their happiness, and they have some serious FOMO issues because they want to avoid missing out on any kind of worthwhile experience. They always want to keep themselves excited and occupied, and they are always on to the next best project or thing in their life. I feel like the type 7s in my life are the type of people who make plans and cancel them and like you know that they're probably going to do it because they're always on to the next best thing and they really don't do it as like a malicious way at all it's just in their eyes they're like how they have FOMO they gotta go with like the next best option right but they're also the ones who are super spontaneous and come up with the most fun ideas and so when they're operating at a really high self they're so fun to be around Mozart Benjamin Franklin, Amelia Earhart, Thomas Jefferson, Miley Cyrus, Fergie, Mick Jagger, Britney Spears, Russell Brand, Katy Perry, George Clooney, Brad Pitt, even Robin Williams, Mike Myers, and Jim Carrey. Sevens are the enthusiasts because they are enthusiastic about almost everything that catches their attention. So it's kind of like, (laughs) <laughs> the squirrel but every squirrel that they chase is the best squirrel that they've ever chased and their approach to life is that they're so optimistic and curious and they just have this huge sense of adventure and they're like a kid in a candy store so they have wide bright eyes to the world and just want to soak it in and experience everything that they can. They are very quick and they are fast learners so they can absorb information And they can also learn new skills really quickly. And they're really good at this mind-body coordination. So I feel like there's probably a lot of athletes that are type 7s as well. But that being said, because they have this curiosity and they can learn things quickly, they tend to create a lot of problems for themselves. Because they're able to pick up these different skills with ease, it gets more difficult for them to decide what they really should be doing and spending their time doing. But this can also be a negative thing because sometimes they just feel like they they really don't know what to do or how to make a choice that's going to benefit themselves in the long term, and they might just kind of see the short-sightedness and like the the shiny object that's just right in front of them. They are the type of people who Really are on the go and they move from one experience to the next, to the next, to the next, searching for more stimulation. But, like I said, sevens who are really healthy are so positive and optimistic and upbeat, and they're really fun people to be around. At their best and highest level, they become in awe of just simple wonders of life and they become energetic and ecstatic and joyous and really help people see. And appreciate what they have in their life and be grateful for it. They're really excitable and enthusiastic, like I said, and they become really extroverted. At an average level, they can become really restless because they want to have more options or more choices. They want to become adventurous or worldly wise. They're just not really sure like what experience or what's going to get them there. So they become kind of like a connoisseur or a consumer of a bunch of different things. But if they're really operating in an unhealthy level, they can become really impulsive and they don't really know when to stop. So I feel like this would be a very addictive personality if they're just ta- chasing the next thing and then the next thing and then the next thing because they are really at their lowest or unhealthiest levels become really um, like consumption-driven and materialistic and greedy because they don't feel like they have enough. They haven't had the, the next best experience. If your boss is a type 7, they're going to be probably a little bit more <laughs> laid back, but you might hear them say something like, no worries, take a long lunch, no problem. And then later that day, they're going to come back and be like, Where's that reporter needed from you? What do you mean you took a long lunch today? And then much later, they're going to be like, who wants to end the day early and go out for drinks? And then the next morning, why are you all so behind? During hurricane prep, they're the ones (laughs) who use it as a really good excuse to travel. And what they do that confuses the rest of us is that they're expecting others to move on. their lives when they've decided to move on with theirs. So they kind of expect the rest of us to just be able to jump to the next thing. And because we were using the beach example at the beach, they say, let me bury you in the sand. And when strangers walk by, you can yell weird things at them. It'll be funny. Type eight, the challenger, powerful and dominating, self-confident, decisive, willful, and sometimes confrontational. Their basic fear is of being harmed or controlled by others and their basic desire is to protect themselves so that they can be in control of their own life and destiny. An eight with a type seven or sorry an eight with a wing seven is the maverick and eight with the wing nine is the bear their key motivations are that they want to be self-reliant, they want to be strong, they want to resist any kind of weakness, they want to be super important in their world, they want to be the dominant, the leader, the top of the hierarchy, you know, the, the big man on the totem pole, and they want to stay in control of every situation. So some really famous ones are Winston Churchill or Franklin Roosevelt Or Queen Latifah, Jack Black, Courtney Love, Tommy Lee Jones, or Doctor Phil. Type eights are the challenger because they enjoy taking on challenges and giving others opportunities that challenge them to exceed things that they thought that they couldn't do. They're very charismatic and they have a lot of energy to really just like they have energy to thrive and leave their mark on their, on the world. And also they just try hard to keep their environment from hurting them or those around that they care about. So they're like very, I would say like protective in the sense that they, they want to be the ones in control. Type eights are really good at being independent and they want to stand on their own and be able to like fully support themselves on their own and make decisions for themselves. So they'll often just refuse to give in in any sort of social context so they can defy fear and shame and concern about the consequences of their actions. They put on this tough facade so that they don't ever appear to be vulnerable. They always want to be the, the one in power or the one who has control over the situation. But this is kind of like a double-edged sword because the the blessing is that they will be able to take on the responsibility of like their health and their wealth and their well-being and the well-being of those around them. So they make great fami- family members because they're always going to be there to like kind of help you get the best out of you but the double-edged sword is that they are really afraid of being hurt emotionally and they use that their physical strength to protect their feelings and they'll really keep their emotions locked up and keep them really safe so that no one can touch them or see their vulnerability at their healthiest levels and at their best they become really self-restrained, they are merciful, they are very good at mastery, and very good at becoming being like an authority figure in life they're courageous and they're willing to put themselves in serious jeopardy to achieve a vision or have lasting influence so they again are really great historical leaders they are self-assertive self-confident they're the strong ones they're the ones who when we really need someone to stand up and do something they are the ones who will take the initiative to do that if they're operating at their healthiest level. At their average levels though, they are just, you know, like they're still self-sufficient and financially independent and have all the resources that they need, but they become really like individualistic and idealistic of that everyone else should be as hardworking as them and they really start to kind of deny their own emotional needs because they don't want to be seen as vulnerable. And at very unhealthy le- levels, they really are defying any sort of attempt at someone controlling their lives. So they can become really um, almost like an outlaw or a rebel or kind of like a hothead because they think that other people are Totally trying to control them and their lives, and they can become really fired up super easily because they see things as threats. They can become pretty regimented, and well, it's that control factor, right? Like they like to be in control. So, as your boss, (laughs) I don't care if you think there's an easier way to do it, just do it the way that I told you to do it because that's the way I like it to be done, and that's the way it should be done. At the beach, I bet I could hold my head underwater for five minutes because they're all about taking on challenges. During hurricane prep, they're building all of the things, but also business is operating pretty much as usual. And what you type eights do that the rest of us are confused by is that you're expecting others not to get offended by the truth as you see it. So sometimes you can be a little too harsh with the truthness we made it to number nine. Nines are the peacemaker. They're easygoing and they're receptive and reassuring. They're agreeable, but they can also be complacent. Their basic fear is of loss or separation. And their basic desire is to have this inner peace feeling and this sense of stability and that like the world and everything around them is calm and at peace. A nine with a wing eight is the referee. A nine with a wing one is the dreamer. And their key motivations are that they want to create harmony in the environment. They also tend to avoid conflicts and tension because of this, because they are the peacekeeper. They're trying to preserve things just as they are, and they're resisting anything that would like disturb or upset the balance or natural order of things. Some famous type nines include Monet, Abraham Lincoln, Gerald Ford, Walt Disney, James Taylor, Janet Jackson, and Mr. Rogers. Nines are the peacemaker because there's no other type that is so devoted to the quest for internal and external peace, not just for themselves, but for others. So they tend to be like the spiritual seekers or the ones who are really connected with the environment and nature. and they're all about creating peace and harmony for the world. So I'm thinking like my deep, my deepest yogi vibes here. Um, the issues that nines encounter, though, are all they all have to do with the psychological or spiritual spiritual work. Um, it's this being awake versus falling asleep openness versus being blocked, tension versus relaxation, or peace versus pain. Nines are at the very top of the Enneagram, so sometimes they're called the crown of the Enneagram, and because of this, they kind of seem to have a lot of traits of the other types, so they can have the strength of an eight, the sense of fun and adventure of a seven, the dutifulness of a six, the intellectualism of a five, the creativity of a four, the attractiveness of a three, the generosity of a two, and the idealism of a one. But however, they generally do not have a sense of anything that really inhabits themselves or a strong sense of their own identity because they can kind of see themselves in all of the other um, eight types. And I think that's what makes them the peacekeeper is because they can relate to all the other types on such a deep level. However, this kind of creates a conflict for them and they don't like conflict, they like peace because the only type that they're not really like is their self because they're kind of this separate identity and this is terrifying to them because they would rather just kind of melt and absorb themselves into everyone else's views and not make waves. Nines are the people that you go to when you just need that little ray of hope or that little bit of optimism or that the silver lining in everything. They focus on the bright side of life and they always try to see the best in everyone around them and the best in every situation. When they're operating at their highest levels, they really feel fulfilled and they are content and they are present with themselves and with their emotions and with others and they are really receptive and accepting they're unself-conscious, They're emotionally stable. They're really ch- trusting of themselves and their others. So they're really um, good at helping others be patient and good-natured and optimistic and supportive. And they have this very healing and calm influence over people. And they're great at bringing groups together. They're really great at mediating and being the communicator for people and um, just overall a really good like harmonizing presence. At their average level, they have a really deep-rooted fear of conflict because they will end up going along with what other people say or saying yes to things, just not to create waves. And they fall into conventional roles and expectations of them, even though that's not really what they want to do because they're constantly just deflecting or avoiding or trying to not initiate something, not to be the center of attention, not to make waves. And when they're operating at really unhealthy levels, they can become really like repressed and really kind of... Um, isolate and disassociate themselves from any kind of conflict, any kind of danger, and they become really neglectful because they're just trying not to get involved. And this can even take shape in that they almost appear numb, or that they don't care, or that they are um, becoming like secretive, or that they're abandoning other people and it's just because they're trying so hard not to take on um, anyone else's feelings or thoughts and they end up kind of just like blocking things out instead of having to to deal with them if you have a nine in your life you definitely need to give them the space to come out with like Decision or let them make a decision without pressuring them to make a decision because a lot of times they're gonna try and go along with what you're saying to keep the peace or to be nice or to be polite. But if you give them the space and time to really like work through what it is that they want and not pressure them into making a decision, then it it won't create this anxiety and they'll feel like they can actually tap into whatever is going to make them feel peace and harmony, not just the people around them. Your boss as a type 9 would say, I totally understand where you're coming from, but can you consider where they might be coming from? During hurricane prep, they're wondering if they should be doing something to prepare. As everyone's getting ready to go to the beach, they say, I think I'm gonna stay in this time. You have fun. And that's another type 9 thing that I know all too well as my partner is a type nine and it's sometimes they just need their alone time to be with themselves and not have to worry about pleasing or not necessarily pleasing, but, um, kind of keeping the peace for everyone else in a really big group setting. They also hate making decisions for a group as well. And so you type nines, what you're doing that confuses the rest of us is that you're expecting others to be okay with never talking about their problems. So there is the overview of each of the nine types and you'll probably already identify with one of the types or a couple of the types before you even head to the link in the description here and take the test if you haven't already. And you might be able to start making some pretty good guesses about other people in your life and their type. However, I found that you can never just assume because there's a lot of things that people internalize or are doing kind of behind closed doors that you wouldn't even realize that they're doing, right? And the Enneagram definitely brings those characteristics to life. I am obsessed with the Enneagram because I think it can become so detailed, so there's lots of books now, there's lots of courses that people have created, Um, you can really use the information that you learn about yourself and your Enneagram type and transfer it to different areas of your life, but if anything, it's just another tool for self-development, hashtag total type 3, we're talking about self-development, but I think it's true. It's kind of like opening up the door to your like little kept secrets that you have that you think nobody knows about and starting to develop those in a more healthy way that can help improve your life and improve your relationships and impact others in a healthy way as well. And so this episode has definitely gone long enough and I'm going to leave you here with just one more thing and then in next week's episode we're gonna dive into how you can kind of use your Enneagram type in a healthier more holistic way. So I want to just leave you with a few things to think about for your type. So if you were a type one this week I want you to just hit publish on that website or just decide to hand that thing in or say yes to that one thing that you feel like isn't ready because things will never be perfect. Type twos, you are so worthy of love just the way you are. Please just put down the phone, put down the Instagram, and just let them come to you this week. Type threes, my soul sisters, make sure you're building a life that feels good, good to live. Don't treat your days like you are rung on the ladder of future of your future happiness. Type four is remember that the first time you do something will probably be the worst that you're ever going to be at it, but you have to get through the rough draft before you can get to the visionary creation. Type fives, there's so much more where that came from. Buy that thing that you've had in your Amazon cart for weeks. You can feel abundant. Type six, whatever choice you make is going to be fine. Type seven, it's probably a good idea to start checking your bank account every single day. Type eight, you should go home, get some rest, and you can get back to that project tomorrow. It's still gonna be there. And my type nines, Put down the cozy blanket and take one teeny tiny step into the direction of your biggest dream. I promise you, you can do it. And all of those little thoughts came from one of my favorite Enneagram Instagram accounts, Enneagram and Coffee. And so I'll leave the link to that as well. Same with the analogies for hurricane prep, what confuses you about others and at the beach and what your boss would say as your type. I love this Enneagram and Coffee. She does a lot of memes, but she also does a ton of these. Um, Every month, she shares something that you should be thinking about for your type to kind of dive deeper into self-development and some of these really funny things like each type at a wedding, each type at an airport, um, each type at a restaurant. So if you are, uh, once you find your type, you can become obsessed with her Instagram account like I am. Okay, thank you guys so much for hanging in there with me for this longer episode. I hope that you learned a little bit of something about yourself today or about others in the relationships in your life. And like I said, once you take the Enneagram test and you dive in, I hope that you're just as obsessed with it as I am and come back and listen to next week's episode. Also, head over to Instagram and follow me at Wild Sparrow Wellness and then send me a message and tell me what your type is, okay? And then, like I said, go on to all the beautiful Enneagram Instagram accounts and start tagging me when you repost these because some of them are so bang on. Okay, that's it, guys. I will catch you in next week's episode. Have a wonderful week.